third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, we've got two guests lined up for you today. Quentin Hillsman set to join us in about 15 minutes, as he does every Wednesday. And Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He covers Georgia Tech basketball for that media outlet. He's set to join us in hour number two at around 1.20 as we preview Syracuse-Georgia Tech tonight. Do you still stand by... Seth, yesterday you said Georgia Tech. This game falls under the same category as Pitt. Syracuse was a double-digit favorite on the road at Pittsburgh. We just heard Joe say this is essentially a toss-up game. No Howard Washington. We learned that just as we left the air yesterday. Matthew Moyer, I guess, officially listed as a game-time decision. I'm going by what what I've been told and what I've heard, and what I've heard is he's not playing. most likely not going to play. But I guess game-time decision. They'll see how he's doing. And maybe... You know, maybe things maybe, change with well, that right. Washington I was going to say, maybe with Washington being out, maybe he can give it a go and give him a few minutes. I, I don't know. Um, it, it sounds like, though, he's nowhere near 100% at this because, point. Because if you think about it, just for this game specifically, but before I let you finish that thought, for this game specifically, you know you don't have Howard Washington. Barama Sidibe is coming off his most played minutes in, in what, two months? Like, who knows how he's going to react? You know, you you just don't know what you've got. Like, maybe Matthew Moyer is, and this is going to be crazy to say, a week after spraining his ankle, maybe he is the best option off the bench tonight. Howard Washington can't go. Brandon Bayer is a a former walk-on that you're now going to be looking at for for potential minutes. Barama Sidibe's got 10 tinnitus and just played 31 minutes. You know, maybe... Matthew Moyer is the option there, like as crazy as that sounds. Well, Barama Sidibe is the better option, yes? Especially well, but, the way he no, played but, against But, but you're saying because he is, played so many minutes? But what I'm saying is how, how, do, how do we know how he reacted to playing that many minutes? Because ever since we heard that he was injured, right? Ever since then, he hasn't played 31 minutes in a game. It's been more than a month, month and a half, since he played that many minutes. And we we just haven't seen that. So how is he going to react? Did he come back and practice on Monday and, like, feel good? I don't know the you know, answer to that. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, these I are do things know that, that we, he practiced and Matthew Moore did not. So. Well, yeah, no, we know that. But but it's just things that we don't know. Like, did, did, how did he feel after the Monday practice? I after hear what you're saying. So I, I, I'm just not sure. Look, I, I would imagine that he's still a better option if Matthew Moore can... Can can you know hardly move around the court? You know, Sidibe is probably the better option, but I, I think that the injury yesterday changed a lot of things in regards to Matthew Moyer. As for Braden Bear, I, let's let's be honest here. Tyus Battle and Frank Howard are playing forty minutes unless something. Co- uh, yes, yeah. un, I mean unless injury. yeah, right. Frank Howard makes an unbelievable, like an inexcusable mistake, and Coach Bam's got to sit him down for thirty seconds. And then I don't put even him back know in. that that does it. No, I know. I'm just saying, like you would have to take something out of the ordinary for Frank Howard or Ty's battle to come off the court tonight. Yes, you agree? Yeah, it, it's going to take something extraordinary from that for them to come off the court the rest of the season. And the same goes for Brissett. And I think again, you can spell Chuku with Sidibe 
And in Mer- theory, Merrick and Moyer when yeah, Merrick's not going to play forty minutes. You wouldn't think, but again, I don't know Moyer's status. I don't think he's playing. If I had to guess, I would say he's not playing. But again, officially, it sounds like game time decision. And maybe, as you alluded to, maybe the Howard Washington injury moves up the time frame for Matthew Moyer. Maybe he does try to give it a go tonight. We will see. Uh, so I, I posed the question as we started, and, and we kind of got off topic there. But knowing everything you know now, knowing about the Howard Washington injury, knowing obviously that Moyer's still not 100%. Knowing everything you know about Georgia Tech and how important this game is for them, and it's a sold-out crowd and, and, and all that, does this still fall under the category of they better win this game like like the Pittsburgh game over the weekend? I still think they've got to win. I still think they've got to win because this game against Georgia Tech, and, and they're a good team, they're not a great team based on the metrics, can easily, easily fall into that quadrant three. And, and you can't afford, if you're going to make a tournament run, which I, I think that we would both agree is getting harder and harder to see given that these guys are just dropping like flies now and you're now down Howard Washington for who knows how long, right? We we don't know. It could be a game. It could be a month. It could be more. Like We, we have no idea, and, and I guess that's what we'll, we'll hear more about later tonight when Jim Beheim, you know, says something about it. Um, you know, we, we don't know how long Howard Washington's out. We don't know how long Matthew Moyer's out. We don't know how much uh, Barama Sidibe will be able to play on a regular basis. You know, and, and given all the questions and all the concerns about injury, I, I think that it's now becoming more of a question as to whether they can make a tournament run. But e- even putting that aside, if you're going to, you don't want to have any losses in Quadrant 3. You don't want to have any losses in Quadrant 4. And right now, Georgia Tech is sitting right on the borderline of that two and three, right? Of that quadrant two and quadrant three. You've got to win this game because either it becomes a decent win in quadrant two or it becomes a not bad loss falling down to quadrant three. I think this is a, it's, it's an important game that you've got to win. It's an important game. I just, I don't classify it with Pitt. Pitt would have been a disastrous loss. I do not look at tonight's game as a disastrous loss should they lose it. Again, I think, and I know you and I do not agree on this, but I think Georgia Tech is better than 10 and 11. Again, you look at Josh Okogie missed the first eight games and they lost a bunch of games in the non-conference. And then they start 3-1, and one, including a win over Miami in the ACC at home. Miami nationally ranked. They beat them by 10. They, they beat them pretty good. And then they lose four straight, all against really good teams. Virginia, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson. And now they come into this game 3-5. and five. They're playing with a lot of urgency. It's a sold-out crowd tonight. They... They have four of the top 40 scorers in the ACC. There are 15 teams in the ACC, as we know. they got four in the top 40. They've yeah, got one of the best big men. They're a good men, team. They, one, they've got talent. One of the best big men in Ben Lammers. One of the best guards. Maybe maybe the most underrated guard in this conference in Josh Okoge. And one of the best freshmen in this conference in Jose Alvarado. I mean, they they legitimately are... are Again, from a personnel very standpoint, talented team. They, have, they have talent. Yes. And that's what scares me. You combine talent... With this back-against-the-wall mentality, combine that with sold-out crowd, combine that with Syracuse is going there with six healthy bodies. I just I, I think this game is it's going to go right down to the wire. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that Syracuse is going to win. I'm saying that I think it's in that category of a you've got to win if you want to make the tournament run. I, I don't know. I think it is going to go down to the wire. You're shorthanded. You're playing a talented team. You're playing on the road. But I think that this is in that category of you've got to win it for your tournament hopes. That doesn't necessarily mean I think they're going to win or I would even pick Syracuse tonight. I don't think I would. Right? Like I don't think I would pick the Orange in this game. 
because they're down to six guys, because they're so shorthanded, they're on the road, it's a hostile, well, I don't want to say hostile environment, but it's a sellout crowd. You know, there's so much going against them, but it feels like this is one of those games that is on the borderline, and it could turn into a bad loss if the season doesn't turn around. Look, they've already got 11 losses. Right, Georgia Tech's already got 11 losses. They're likely not a tournament team this year. Right? They, what do they have to do? They they essentially have to win out or come close to it to to make I don't the know tournament. About winning out, but they've, but got, yeah, to, but they've got to come pretty close. They're, they're three and five in the conference, and again, you know, they're going to have to do better than nine and nine. We say Syracuse right. might be able to get in nine and nine. They're going to have to do better than that because their non-conference was so bad. But again, how much will the committee take into account that two of their best but, players weren't there? But the, but the fact of the matter is that they have to go. And lose what one game the rest of the way in, in in the regular season. So they're three and five now. They have ten games left. If they were to get to say ten, they'd have to go seven and three in conference to go to okay, go ten and that and has eight. them at eighteen and, and that has them made eighteen and fourteen overall, which you have right. to look at too. And I I don't know that that's enough. And yeah, whatever they're at the very best, they're a borderline NCAA tournament team. I think they're out. Like yes, this, this is definitely a team, out at this yeah, point, no doubt. You know, this, this is a team that. That like when it comes time to the tournament, you would look at them and say, "Wow, wow, that that could have been a win. That could have been another one that you could have had." And again, it bolsters that road number. It bolsters that road win number that you didn't get when you went down to Wake Forest. It gets you up to four wins now away from the Carrier Dome, and you're creeping closer to that level where nobody cares who you beat on the road because you've got enough road wins, right? And I think that's so important. Get to a level. Where nobody is dissecting who you beat, just that you won. And this game, I think, plays into that. It would be a pretty decent road win if Georgia Tech does improve, if Georgia Tech does show to be that team that we thought they might have been preseason and they make a run here. Cool. It's a Quadrant 2 win. They're pretty decent. They turn out to be all right. If they're not, they fall down. They're in Quadrant 3. It's still a road win. It's your fourth of the year, and you're looking better in that category. And, oh, by the way, you still don't have a loss in that Quadrant 3 or 4 section. I think this game is in that you've-got-to-win category. This could be a character-building win. If they were to go down there with six guys and beat a pretty good Georgia Tech team, and I'm not overstating that. Like I, I realize they're not Duke or Virginia, but again, from a talent perspective, this is a pretty talented roster. To go on the road with six guys and beat that team, this could be a character-building win. And it could be the kind of win, as you said, that kind of kick-starts this NCAA tournament run. They're back in the conversation now. They have a chance to get above 500 in conference play before the month of February, chance to win four in a row, a chance to come back home with nothing to lose against Virginia on Saturday. Nobody's going to give them a chance in that game, especially right. if they're down two guys. Right. So win tonight, get that momentum rolling, and and you said character building win. It's one of those kind of team bonding things. Imagine if if they if they do need to play Braden Bayer. Right, and he comes in and contributes. I How think much? that's a bad sign but if that happens. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, but what if, what if, just a hypothetical, in theory, kind of yes. crazy thing, something happens and he has to play and he contributes, knocks down a jumper, makes a good defensive play, whatever it may be, and it, and it leads to a win. Right, he only plays two or three minutes, but he knocks down a jumper, he makes a great defensive play, you know, plays tough defense on somebody, and it leads to a win. Doesn't that just like build your confidence and and make this team grow a little bit closer? Hey, we went down there shorthanded. We had a kid who started the year as a walk on. He made big time Absolutely. plays. We can win this. We can beat teams. We can still win games 
even though we're down as much as we are. I don't deny that this is a pivotal game as it pertains to the rest of the season. I'm just saying that if they lose tonight, I don't think we can look at it as, wow, that was a disastrous loss. But I agree with everything else you're saying. This has the potential to be a swing game for the rest of the season. We do need to take a timeout. Quentin Hillsman set to join us on the other side. We'll get back to this topic at 1230. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls out right after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. We're back on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you. Phone lines now open until about 1.20. So the next 45 minutes or so, we'll take your calls at 315-437-7644. We've got Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution set to join us at about 1.20. As we continue to preview Syracuse and Georgia Tech, and always great catching up with, with Coach Q, and, and two big home games coming up this week, one tomorrow, one Sunday, uh, a chance to get to four wins in a row tomorrow night, and then Louisville comes to town, top five opponent in the country. I believe they're fourth uh, in the coaches' poll right now, so uh, quite a challenge on Sunday, but Coach Q's team uh, playing well, back in the mix, just like the men are back in the mix in the ACC conference. Uh, But we switch back to the men now, and and something I did not get to uh, in that first segment with you, Seth, is Howard Washington. Yes, we talked about the injury. Yes, we know he's not making the trip. Yes, we know he's out tonight. If, and I emphasize the word if, if this is a long-term thing for Howard Washington, and this is by no means to take a shot at him. I'm, I'm just curious what you think. I think he's going to turn into a nice player. He's provided some quality minutes here and there, but let's be honest, he has not played all that much. If this is a long-term thing, how much does this really, at the end of the day, hurt SU's NCAA tournament chances? Because you brought up the fact they're shorthanded, that, that hurts their chances to make a run at the NCAA tournament. And I guess my point would be, and yes, you rather have him than not because you have no depth in the backcourt. I get that. But if Moyer comes back sooner rather than later and you're playing seven guys, does it really hinder their ability to make a run at the NCAA tournament? It depends how much, how quickly Matthew Moyer comes back and at what percentage, right? Like how, how healthy is he when he comes back and when will he come back? I think that's a big part of it. Um, I, I will say this off the, off the bat. Um and and speculation here. I, I don't know the extent of the injury. Um, but if it were a minor injury, one would it be announced, and two would it be announced that Jim Beheim would address it after the game? So I don't know what the injury is, but like my gut feeling tells me it's not good for those two reasons. Um, so, I think there are a lot of reasons why it it doesn't feel good. Right. I mean, we, again, we had right. Darius right. Joshua was at women's practice exactly. yesterday. He see, you know, he he was there for the start of men's practice. And again, not to speculate, but Howard Washington, this isn't speculation. It's fact. He's on crutches and he's in a you know his legs right. in a brace. There's a, there's a lot of reasons not yes. to to feel good about this injury. So, you know, assuming he is out for a little while here, and it, it is a blow to Syracuse. I will say in this regard. I think it's a, and this is not a, a a bashing of Howard Washington. I think he's a good player, turned into an even better player. I think it's more of a loss in in the uh, the the part that they have depth than it is the actual player, right? And I think we've seen that this year. They use him as a depth piece. They don't necessarily use him in the regular rotation. He's kind of a guy who gets in when they're shorthanded. Right when they when they've got a guy who gets into foul trouble when you know Matthew Moyer's out Merrick Dolzhai is the only four and you know what he's just not doing the job and we got to go to a three guard lineup 
You know, it, it seems like that's how he's used. He's used as that depth guy. He's not being used right now because he is insanely effective, right? He's not Dion Waiters coming off the bench, not yet at least. And that's not how they were using him, right? They were using him as Tyus Battles in foul trouble. We got to get somebody in. And so as long as over the course of the season, and this is a crazy thing to ask, you know, over the course of how long Howard Washington is out, as long as over that stretch, Tyus Battle and Frank Howard never get into foul trouble, how much are you going to notice he was missing? And and that's a weird question to ask, but but isn't that what it comes down to? Yes. Um, and I think that that might be the one way that this team is affected is that you know, Howard and Battle are going to play 40 minutes every night. Right. How it might change things is how aggressive they can be. Because if you know you cannot come out of the game, maybe that, you know, you pick up an early foul first couple minutes of the game. Do you need to back off then a little bit with your aggression? Or do you not go for a steal? Or do you not, you know, try to draw a charge on a certain play? And again, it might be things that don't even really show up in the box score. It's just... I got to stay on the court. I got to yeah. stay out of foul trouble. I'm not going to take a chance here. I'm not going to take a chance there. I, you know, I have to back off my aggression level if they pick up, you know, an early foul or two fouls in the first half. You know, they've got two fouls in the first half and there's four minutes left on the clock. They can't come out of the game, but they, they certainly can't pick up their third foul. And again, I think it changes a lot if and when Matthew Moyer comes back and what his status is when he does come back. I think that changes a lot, doesn't it? Because it, it would. Because uh, you could get away with Howard can, leaving the game and Battle bringing the ball up court. Right. It's essentially what I'm thinking. You can get away with, you know, if Moyer and Dolajai are your fours, right? Like, you could figure something out there. Like, you're not going to need Howard Washington to come in to play three guards and bump O'Shea to the four because Merrick wasn't getting the job done. Like, that. that's where I think this is, you know, that that's the one that I think ha- changes things. Like, if you're down to playing six guys and Baramis Sidibe is the only one who's on your bench, you're you're in some sort of trouble, right? Like, you're you're in some sort of trouble because he doesn't give you any kind of positional flexibility. He doesn't give you, you know, much there other than he's a big body. Like, I, I think that's where it changes things. It, again, if Matthew Moore can come back and play the four and be healthy, uh, you're in all right shape. I wouldn't say great shape, but you're in okay shape. Um you know, if can, there was can, a position, they, can that team make can that team make the tournament? I don't know. Here's the thing. If there was a position where you could not have depth and feel okay about it, it's at the guard position with this team with Battle and exactly. Howard. Like you're you're okay with that, I, I think. Um you don't want it to happen. And again, I, I hope Howard Washington's okay. Obviously we wish him well. You hope he comes back sooner rather than later. If this is a long term thing though. I don't think that prohibits Syracuse from making the NCAA tournament. Does that prohibit them from winning five more games in you know during the regular season? Probably not. No, I mean, and Jim Beheim has used seven guys quite often in his coaching career. And so, if it's the starting five, right. you would assume Moyer obviously goes back in the starting five when he's healthy. If it's the starting five, and then Merrick and Barama off the bench, again, not ideal that you have no depth at guard. But with these two guards, you can probably get away with it. And does it mean that if something were to happen to Tyus or Frank Howard, whether that is you know tweaking an ankle, a hammy, uh, foul trouble, whatever it may be, do 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 we see some some Frankenstein super big lineup come out 
Right? Like, like what? Like, how does this work? Like, who goes and plays the guard if one of those two has to come out? Like, is O'Shea Brissett all of a sudden uh, at the top of the zone? Like, you know, that's the thing that I'm now interested in. Like, how does how does this now work? Well, then like, maybe is it gonna you be, do see Bear off the bench, right? Like, and, is it, it going to be like Tyus? You hope he gives one, you some quality minutes. Tyus at the one, O'Shea at the two, with Moyer and Merrick it. with Chukwu in the middle. I doubt it. Like that. Like it, it's these weird things that like we just don't know and and now change. You know, my the complexity of this is, team changes a lot. Yes, my assumption is in an emergency situation, whether it's a guy fouls out, either Howard or Battle, or an injury, or whatever it may, you know, like when Battle flipped over the guy and you know hurt his back, if he's got to come out of the game, my assumption is Braden Bear would go in. What do you think Geno Thorpe is thinking right now? Um, I don't know. Um, because with I, this team shorthanded, there was there are minutes on this team for him. There were minutes a, anyway. There were minutes for this team. Wa- he when walked he away for minutes. He was yeah. the first guard off the bench, and he was going to get a lot of time, and he didn't want to be part of it. So I don't know if his attitude has changed at all. He still would be the first guard off the bench with Howard right. Washington going, going down. And so his position wouldn't have changed. It wasn't good enough to stay here for whatever reason, and so he packed up and left. I don't think his attitude changes at all. I think he he walked away from being the first guard off the bench and being you know yeah. being a guy that was going to get a lot of minutes. Um, I I think he wanted to start and felt like he deserved to start and wanted to be a key cog and and he wasn't. And Frank Howard, frankly, came out and played very well early in the season. And uh, you know, Geno Thorpe, I don't want to say fell out of favor with the coaches, but he never got into he, favor. Well, really. right, he didn't he didn't get the opportunity. I mean, he, he was here for six games. So through six games, he got he got one game in which he got a lot of opportunity in the first half. It was a Texas Southern game, I want to say, yep. right? Um, because of when, foul trouble. Battle, well, when battle. Tyus got hurt, too, right? Uh, yes, but the game that he played really well was the Texas Southern game. And yes. that was because of foul trouble. But yes. you're right. Um, battle got hurt. Was he still on the team at that point? All the games were running. He, he was, was only here for six games. I thought he was. Okay. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but I know the Texas Southern game is the one that he went out and obviously played a lot of minutes, especially early, and made a, a contribution in the first half. Um, so he had opportunity in that game, and he would have gotten opportunities as things moved along. It just it obviously wasn't good enough for him, and, and he walked away. So, no, I don't think it, it changes, you know, oh, man, Howard Washington got hurt if I was only there because he was ahead of Howard Washington in the pecking order. Howard Washington would not have seen the floor by no, and large more, in a lot of games if Geno Thorpe was still think, on this team. I think the more interesting one, if Geno Thorpe were here, is would Marek Dolzhai be playing as much with Matthew Moyer out, or would it be a three-guard lineup? Fair I enough. I think that's the more interesting thing to, to really look at. Yeah, but, you know, either way. Uh, and here's another question to to throw out. Um, do they have the healthy bodies to, like, practice? Well, they've got— Like, if they want to go five on five. Like, you know, we keep saying they have six scholarship players. Bear is under scholarship. scholarship so player. they, they so technically seven. have seven healthy scholarship players. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they obviously have a scout team that, that you know, runs right. the opponent's stuff. And they've got those— those six guys, you know, and and I don't know how much Braden Bear is being worked into the mix at this point. I I think you would have to get him ready to some degree. I I would I would imagine he's played this year. Like I, they used him when they weren't shorthanded. Well, they were shorthanded. Well, they Three were, guys fouled out. They were, but but you get but they didn't go into that game shorthanded. No, I know. I you know, know. what I mean? like now you're going into games down two people. Like what if three people fell out tonight because they go to double overtime? 
Uh, they're not going to win. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they're not forcing double overtime. If three guys foul out, that means that you are you have two. Two walk-ons. Former walk-on slash walk-ons playing. I, I guess we have to call Bear a former walk-on. But you have two of your non-regulars playing if two guys fall out. Yes. You are not winning that game. No. Can they get Elijah Hughes? Like, can they can they get can they get an immediate ruling Bump from the his N- eligibility from the NCAA? Hey, we'll have him sit out the first half of next year too if he's allowed to play now. I guess my point is just to kind of bring this full circle. If Howard Washington is out long term, I don't think that necessarily stands in the way of this team making the NCAA tournament. No, I think it's it. I don't necessarily think so either. I, and like I said at the beginning of this, I think it's more important in the depth that they are lacking than like his contributions on the floor. Um, and, and that's just kind of based on what we've seen so far this year. And that's not a, a slap at Howard Washington. That that's not a, a, a put down. It's just like we've seen that he has been used as a depth piece. Right when Tyus Battle needs a, when Tyus Battle needs to come out because of foul trouble, Howard Washington goes in. When Merrick Dolja had to go out, you know, with Matthew Moyer out, Howard Washington goes in. We've seen him being used in that role much more than hey, he's really forcing his way off the bench. He's got to get it. I think you got to feel bad for the kid. Oh, absolutely. Um, his attitude has been terrific every step of the way, and everything that you hear. And obviously, you know, I do the Jerry McNamara show and just talking to Jerry, the kid's attitude has been fantastic, and he is in a tough spot. He's behind two really good guards in Frank Howard and Tyus Battle. Minutes are hard to come by, and he gets this opportunity where Matthew Moyer goes out. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like he's going to get more minutes. You look at the last four games, he's gotten 42 minutes combined, so he's gotten an average of 10 minutes in the last four games, and he was making the most of those minutes, and he was starting to come along, and Jim Beheim even said the other night, expect more of the three-guard lineup. Yeah. He was finally going to get that opportunity that he had been waiting for. So you feel bad for the kid. Again, we don't know how long he's out for, but he's going to miss tonight, and tonight would have been a perfect opportunity for him to to play and play a lot of minutes. Yeah, he probably would have played a lot. And it's not going to happen. Um, and so you feel bad for the kid, and, and again, we, we wish him a, a speedy recovery. But in terms of how this affects the team... Yeah, I think once Matthew Moyer comes back, they'll have seven guys. They'll have no depth at guard, but that's the one position you can get away with on this team of not having a lot of depth. I'd rather have no depth at guard than have Dolajai and Moyer both hurt. Or like your two centers out. Right. Like, what, yeah. you know, what would no. you do? You know, exactly. Sadibe well, was dealing we with saw the, that the for, knee injury. And, we saw that for a month, didn't we? Right. Where, where you were down to one center. And Chuku, you know, what if he gets in foul trouble? Like, then what do you do? Then you right. got to play Merrick, and, and that's, that's not ideal. At least... With Battle and Howard, you can have, I mean, that's your starting backcourt. And you, you could still have your best lineup on the court even without Howard Washington. Right. Um, you just, they're going to have to play a lot of minutes. They're going to have to stay out of foul trouble. They're going to have to stay healthy. They're down to six healthy bodies. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Full lines are open, 315-437-7644. We'll get back to the SU basketball talk at the top of the hour, and then Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He covers Georgia Tech uh, for that media outlet. He'll join us at 120 as we preview Syracuse and Georgia Tech tonight. We do need to talk briefly, Seth, about the NFL news from last night. Uh, and this kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, yes, But the Washington Redskins have, I guess, figured out their quarterback have they? dilemma? Have they? Well, at least they think they have. They think so. Uh, Alex Smith traded 
to the Redskins last night in exchange for defensive back Kendall Fuller and a third-round draft pick. So the Chiefs giving up on Alex Smith, Redskins giving up on Kirk Cousins, or at least they don't want to pay him. Um, how surprised were you by this move? I was pretty surprised. Um, it, it seemed like it came out of nowhere, one. Um, and it just, I don't know, it, it felt very weird to me. And, and some stats that I saw last night to, to kind of back this up. Um, right now, Kirk Cousins is 29. Alex Smith is 33. 4,000-yard seasons. Kirk Cousins has had three of them. Alex Smith has had one of them. Total touchdown passes the last three years. Kirk Cousins has thrown 81. Alex Smith has thrown 61. So they traded for an older quarterback who hasn't put up numbers that have been as good as Kirk Cousins. I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan. But it feels very weird to do this. It does. And I, I saw the same numbers that, that you saw, and, and that is head-scratching when you put them side-by-side. Side. They're getting an older version, as you just laid out. They're getting an older version of essentially the same quarterback. Maybe, maybe not, not even, even as good. Yeah, he's not even as good in terms of arm strength and whatnot. He's the, you know, what, what do we say about Alex Smith? He's the ultimate game manager, right? right? Captain Checkdown. Can I give an analogy? Go for it. Because this kind of thing has kind of been uh, used a lot. So a lot of people are like, oh, they... They dated Kirk Cousins, but they didn't want to marry him, right? Like, that's kind of the the, the terms you might hear. Uh, they, like, had proposed to Kirk Cousins and then left him on the altar and went and picked up the girl at the bar and married her that same weekend at the wedding that was planned, like, for Kirk Cousins. Can we take the analogy one step further? Is Kirk Cousins, like, you, you got engaged to Kirk Cousins, but then you realized that maybe Kirk Cousins was a gold digger and was going to... You know, but you found that, use your no, credit card sure. every weekend, and I mean the the money, the, the money is stupid. The money the, that he was that he is going to demand. Oh, it's insane! Is is out of control? It is, but but like the fact that you went and then you traded for Alex Smith and you signed him to a long term extension, right? And and here's the thing that I'm curious about, and, and we don't have the exact numbers, we don't know the exact numbers, and we won't know the exact numbers for a little while because you're not allowed to have those out yet, right? Like, technically, none of this has happened for another month and a Until half. Until March, right. Right. Uh, but with that being said, how much more, how much more would it have cost them to just lock up Kirk Cousins? Right? That's the question that I've got. How much more would it have cost them if they would have just said, you know what? Kirk Cousins, you're our guy. Because they signed him to a four-year extension on top of this year that they've got him already for. And the four years are going to average $23.5 million with approximately $70 million guaranteed, according to Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen. So how much more is it going to cost you? Another year of that money? Instead probably. Of four, instead say, of four years, five? Right, and give you're him another probably $100 million guaranteed, maybe? And give him the, the extra 20 guaranteed? Like... Like, but but why is that step so hard to take? Like, it's one more year on the money that you're giving to not that great a quarterback anyway. So why not give it to the bad quarterback you already know? Like, I don't it's think it's a Kirk fair is question, that, like, Seth, I, and I don't have the answer I, to that. I, th- this whole thing is baffling. Like, I don't think Kirk is that good. I don't think he's worth the money that somebody is going to pay him. Like, I I just don't. And Redskins thought the same thing. Yeah, obviously. Isn't it? Shouldn't it also be a red flag? And I know the Bills are in the market for the quarterback. Shouldn't it be a huge red flag that the Redskins were like, you know what? 
rather than signing this guy, Alex we want Alex Smith. Like, like if you were, if you were a fan of another team and the Bills went out and traded for Alex Smith or signed Kirk Cousins and dumped Tyrod Taylor, and you're a Bronco fan, wouldn't it be like, you know what? They wanted Alex Smith instead of. Tyrod Taylor. Maybe we don't want. You were engaged to the good-looking girl, and then you broke it off. Why? It's a red flag, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. It's a red flag. And I, I don't know why they prefer Alex Smith over Kirk Cousins. It, and you're right. It doesn't sound like they're saving all that much money at the end of the day. Uh, but that's the move that was that was made last night. And, and maybe they feel like, all right, well, Alex Smith did it with the Chiefs. Like, he had just enough around him. Didn't screw anything up. They were, you know, a very good team this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe he can do that here. I... I I don't know, or maybe they just they were sick of Kirk Cousins and the demands, and you know we're not paying him that kind of money. I yeah, I don't know, and and I tweeted this last night, but I'll ask you here on on the air: Is this the closest thing to spinning the quarterback wheel that you could get to in real life? Yeah, like we talked. I, I about, saw your tweet last night, we and ta- I, I yeah, I would agree with that. We talk about this so often. You put a wheel with all thirty quarterbacks on it, and. You say, all right, take your chances. Whoever you land on, like you might land on Tom Brady, but you might also land on Deshaun Kaiser. And like, if this, you spin that, and this is about what they did. Yeah, and isn't this like they had the 16th best quarterback in the league and now they have like the 18th best quarterback in the league? Or, right, I mean, give they, or take. They, yeah. they got the same guy, essentially. Just yeah. uh, an older version of him, as you put it. Uh, let's go to the phone lines, 315-437-7644. Uh, Brandon and Manlius up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Steve. Seth, what's going on? How are you? want to make a quick point. I've talked about this in the past about Syracuse and scholarships, things like that, but I think this year is a perfect example of how it could come back to bite you. I hope they go out there and light the world on fire, and it's a non-issue. But why, if this team had, and I hope Braden Bear does something special and has the memories for the rest of his life, but if they had a scholarship available to give to a kid who essentially came here as a walk-on, what's the logic of not giving that scholarship to a grad transfer who's only tying it up for one year I'm, that could potentially come in here and, and help this team? That's and an I get all this stuff. Go ahead, sir. Interesting point. Uh, that I, I believe that he took Geno Thorpe's after Geno left. And if not, they also would have had an open one after Torian left before the season. So they, they had a couple to play with very late. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know this year is odd. You had Torian leave, Geno Thorpe left, and, of course, the two injuries and things like that. But that just goes to show you, you know, four guys can drop off your roster, you know, pretty quickly. And I just – I never, ever understood the logic of if you have something available – the perfect example of how you can use the grad transfer to your <clears throat> to help your situation. You're tying it up for one year. You're not screwing anything up. And if the kid comes in and he does nothing, doesn't hurt you at all. But if he comes in, it can help you. Now it's a perfect situation where your seventh guy off the bench is, is essentially a walk-on. So I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Again, I hope it's a non-issue and they go out there and, and they play well. But I just it never made much sense to me why. And I know it's happened in the past. Why, if you have scholarships, that you're, you're not using every, every one of them. Yeah, and it's a good point, Brandon. And, and yeah. I think Seth is is right out with that. Torian Thompson literally left as classes were starting. There was nobody at that to pick time, up. Right, it's late in the game. At that, everybody who's going somewhere, the grad transfers, they've already decided on their, on their destination. Well, well, except for Andrew White. Andrew White, that was about <laughs> the time that he committed, right? Yes. Um, and then Geno Thorpe leaves, and then, yes, that is my understanding that Geno Thorpe leaves, and now Braden Bear is, is benefiting from that, and, and he's now on scholarship because Geno Thorpe left. So... I understand the point. It's not like Torian left in June or July or Geno Thorpe, you know, decided at the last second not to come here. The season had already started when Geno left. 
Victorian, you know, left as school was starting. So, yeah, it's a, it's a strange year. You lose Tyler Lydon to the NBA, which you expected. Torian leaves suddenly as classes are starting. Geno Thorpe leaves suddenly six games in. And now, you know, Matthew Moyer and Howard Washington go down within a week of each other, you know, with, with injuries. And now you're left with... Six guys. You've got Elijah yep. Hughes, who's under scholarship, but he can't play until next right. year. So they were. It, correct me if I'm wrong here. They, they've got seven right now. Plus Torian is eight. Plus Hughes is nine. So this is the last year of the sanctions. I believe that is correct. I believe they are up to full scholarship mode next as year. of next year. Okay. So they'll get the full thirteen beginning okay. next year. All right. That's what I thought. But and and it also. You know, makes sense as I was trying to put together the the scholarship math where all these guys were going to come from because they're bringing in Carrie, they're bringing in Buddy Bayheim, they're bringing in Baisley, and you know I, I know that uh, recently Mike McAllister when he was on mentioned another guy. I was like, where are they getting all these scholarship from? Because not that many people are leaving the program, so it has to be that bump in. They're going so they've back got to they've got eleven scholarships tied up right now, right? They've got Moyer, Hughes, Washington, Brissett, Chuku. Bear is six, Dolajai is seven, Frank Howard is eight, Tyus Battle is nine, Barama is ten, and, and eleven. Torian. Eleven would have been Torian, right? Right. And so, so yeah, maybe they were one unlimit, and now next year they're going. I believe that's the case. They're going back to thirteen right. uh, next year. I know they got one of the scholarships back. Uh, you know that uh, initially was taken away. So I know it's confusing, but yes, I believe they're back to full strength with the thirteen. Uh, next year. All right, we got to take a timeout. We're up against the clock. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We'll kick off hour number two of Orange Nation right after this on ESPN Radio.